Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. It took several weeks, but finally, the president of Harvard University, Claudine Gay, resigned after her dismal testimony on Capitol Hill about the calls for the genocide of Jews on her own college campus and what was and wasn't being done about those hate-filled comments by protesters and others. And speaking of protests, the anti-Israeli marchers have recently been blocking airport entrances and a lot more. And joining us now to discuss all of this and also the latest of what's going on in Israel is Jake Novak. He is a great political commentator. He is also the former spokesman at the Israeli consulate in New York. Uh, Jake, great to have you here. Oh, my pleasure. And Happy New Year to you and all the listeners out there. Um, Really great to talk to you to start the new year talking with you. Absolutely. And Jake, boy, there have been so many important issues uh, that you understand very, very well, which is why we're thrilled to have you here and get your perspective. First, what is your reaction to the fact that the president of Harvard finally resigned? Well, you know, look, it should have happened a long time ago. She should never have been hired in the first place. Um, look, I, I, I'm going to reveal my bias right here, <laughs> right now for everyone to understand. My father uh, was—he just retired. He was a tenured, uh, an endowed name professor at, at a couple of prestigious universities for four decades. Before that, he before he even became a, a, an academic, he wrote several books. He wrote well over 20 books, and he's still writing. And to find out that the president of Harvard—again, this is before any of these controversies started, Rita. To find out that the president of Harvard University, the most prestigious name, at least, in, academic, in the academic world in America, had never even published one book was really stunning. You know, you can't even get tenure as a faculty member at most universities uh, if, you don't, if you haven't had it published at least one book. And so that was already, you know, a, a little bit of a difficult situation. Now, as you alluded to in the beginning, her testimony on Capitol Hill her terrible testimony, which I believe, which, by the way, was probably the result of not only her not of her not being very savvy, but probably listening to lawyers so much. You know, lawyers do a lot of bad things for their clients, despite the fact they think they're their best advocate. And I think they told her, don't admit any wrongdoing, you know, don't, don't, which was a bad advice because this was not a court of law. It wasn't like she was going to go to jail for, for much that she could possibly have done during that hearing. And of course, that, her, her poor performance there saying that she wouldn't necessarily remember, she said it depended on the context that she wouldn't necessarily punish or, or stop a groups that were calling for genocide of Jews on campus because she needed to know the context. That, of course, opened the door to stronger scrutiny, the kind of scrutiny she should have been under before she was even ha- hired by the Harvard Corporation. That's the fancy term for the board of directors at Harvard. They call them the Harvard Corporation. Um, of course, that opened the door for that. She opened the door herself. She has no one but to, to blame but herself for all of that. And, of course, they found all these issues of plagiarism. She had written... You know, she had a very small record of publishing for, for anyone in academia, let alone president of Harvard. And they found out that just basically even in that small amount that she had published, there were over 50 cases of alleged pretty good, good cases, you know, pretty good, accusa- pretty strong accusations of plagiarism. <laughs> just read it. I thought to myself, if I were allowed to get rid uh, you know, if I were if I were allowed to get away with plagiarism, I would have written The Tale of Two Cities, Bonfire of the Vanities. I would have done something better than that. Right. But um, so that really opened the door to that. And so I'm, I listen, I, I think that 
the biggest reason why I'm relieved that she stepped down, and this is the reason why she got in trouble in the first, first place, the real reason. For people who are saying and, and, and twisting this into saying, like, well, they're, they're not in favor of free speech, or they're, uh, they're, it's cancel culture that they got rid of her. That's not the reason why she got herself in trouble, and that's not the reason why I'm glad she's gone. I'm glad because any child of five or older knows that Harvard and schools like it have an absolute double standard when it comes to free speech. We all know, and anyone who denies this as being a liar or is completely ignorant, we all know that if those marchers were harassing black students, if those marchers were harassing gay, lesbian, or trans students, or immigrants, or Latinos, they never would have got within 100 feet of campus. And if they did, they would have been suspended and expelled. Instead, not only were they not punished for doing that, but we saw a video of students really being harassed. You know, there's something called bird dogging. This is a tactic that the pro-Palestinians are using where they get within a foot or two of a, of a Jewish student or an Israeli supporter or Israel supporter and start yelling at them for hours at a time or, or following them around campus. That's harassment. That's not even about the Harvard rules. And so he did nothing about it. No one got disciplined. So at the end of the day, this is why she's gone. Good riddance for someone who doesn't even have the moral character to understand that you can't have two sets of rules about free speech on campus when students are being harassed. And double good riddance because she was also basically an academic fraud. There's no other word. What do you say, Jake, to um, some of the critics? I mean, we've even heard from people like Al Sharpton, who's come out and said that all uh, African-American women now are put on notice. And she even, Claudine Gay, in her resignation letter, which we assume she didn't plagiarize, uh, but, but in her resignation letter, she said that there was racial animus towards her. I mean, they're throwing out the race card even as she's going out the door. Yeah, no, well, we can't be surprised by that, although it is utterly disappointing. And I want to tell you something, Rita, who the biggest racists are in this whole equation. It isn't even Al Sharpton or Claudine Gray who played the racist guard. And obviously, they're, they're pretty high on the racist list. But the biggest racist of all in this entire incident is the Harvard Corporation, that board of directors. And let me tell you why. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a conservative, you know, pretty conservative libertarian. So I, I don't, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying this because I think that these people you know, that, that I'm about to describe agree with me. I'm just saying it because it's a fact. There are dozens, hundreds, probably thousands of African-American men and women in academia who are much more qualified than Claudine Gay will ever be to be either the president of Harvard or to be a, a distinguished faculty member. And what happened was Claudine Gay was kind of like the Dick Cheney of academia, she was, high, she was asked by Harvard, because she was already running their diversity, equity, and inclusion program, to help them find a diverse candidate. And kind of like when, George, when Dick Cheney was hired by George W. Bush to be the chairperson of his running mate search committee in 2000, Dick Cheney came back and said, ah, we decided the best guy is me. <laughs> and that's what Claudine Gay did. She came back to Harvard and said, well, we've done an extensive search, and guess what? I'm the best person. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And the reason why I say the Harvard Corporation is so racist is that they were so racist and they clearly had such low expectations and criteria in their minds for black academics that they heard that from Claudine Gay and they believed her. And I say this as someone who went to an Ivy League school and was taught by African-American scholars that dwarf, easily dwarf the, the, the uh, scholarship of Claudine Gay and easily dwarf, by the way, her fundraising abilities. Even before these, this controversy started, I was wondering, gee, you know, the biggest job of these college presidents read is to raise money. And I'm thinking, what kind of big money does Claudine Gay bring to the table exactly? I don't think she would discourage anyone from donating to Harvard. Certainly not liberal billionaires. They probably would you know, be, be happy to. But that's not because of Claudine Gay. And I just thought to myself, she doesn't really bring any great scholarship to the table. She doesn't bring any big money to the table. And that Harvard Corporation, 
was so racist and so ignorant of the value and the numbers of good academic you know, people who I don't agree with politically, most of them, although some of them are conservative, but most of them aren't. So I'm not, this is not a political statement on my part. This is just a statement of fact. The Harvard Corporation was so racist that they believed Claudine Gay when she told them she was the best they had to offer. Boy, how, how little they must think of African-Americans in academia today. I can think of so many names. Some of them were my teachers. Some of them were colleagues of my father. And I'm just thinking, these have to be the biggest racists of all in this equation. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Well, and Bill Ackman, who's the the big hedge fund guy, he was, of course, the one who has been spearheading and saying, you know, this is just untenable, what we've been seeing, the anti-Semitic, I guess, allowances of these verbiage and these protests on all these different college campuses. But he came out and he said that uh, he thinks the whole board really should resign. I mean, he blames the Harvard board, just like you're saying, not, you know, even on that reason, but he says they allowed, you know, these this anti-Semitic behavior, they didn't condemn it, they've been standing by her, and he thinks they should be replaced. Do you believe, too, that it needs maybe more of a wholesale house cleaning, not just Claudine Gay moving away as president? Absolutely, Rita. In fact, a lot more needs to be done than just the firing of the presidents, even the, the clearing out of the Harvard Corporation, their, their board. Uh, I, I, there are three things that I think need to happen at all these universities, in addition to getting rid of some of these presidents and, and the boards who put them in there. The first thing I would d- say is I would get rid of faculty tenure. You know, faculty tenure is, is not something that's been around at universities for 200, 300 years. It basically really took hold in academic America during the McCarthy period when there were some academics who were unfairly getting rooted out of universities or because they had been communists in the past and things like that. Some of them may have been real communists. Some of them may have not. I don't know. But suddenly faculty tenure became a thing. And it's very problematic because faculty, basically tenure faculty can never be fired. They really run the tenor of a university. They may not be the ones out there doing the fundraising, but when it comes to what the curriculum is and what the tone of a university is, it's the faculty. It's, the, it, it's that tenured faculty. And people who can never be fired, Rita, as you may not be surprised to hear, are much more likely to be radical, to embrace things that are not exactly in the mainstream. Now, some of that intellectually is great. If they want to, you know, if you want to create a new, a new rocket, a new technology, or even a new way of philosophy, that's great. But unfortunately, a lot of them embrace anti-Semitism. A lot of them embrace anti-white racism. A lot of them embrace some of the most radical negative stuff. And that needs to be ended. Now, there are, if you think that that's impossible to have a good university and attract good faculty, I have two words for you. West Point. You think that's a pretty good school? I do. I think it's one of the best schools in the history of this country. There's never been any tenure at West Point. The faculty there is on, under contract. I think that's a pretty good school. There are some other good schools like that. And for the best faculty out there who, who would really like to, to continue to shine and to be paid well and, and recognized, they can get the big contract. Go for it. You know, why is that not an option? So I think that's one thing that has to happen. Another thing that has to happen is that this money that flows into these universities, again, think think, universities become like Hunter Biden. (laughs) They have so much money flowing into their pockets that they don't know how to to be uh, ethical. You know, it's, it's not even a question of just the huge tuition. 
they they are encouraged to charge as much as possible because universities basically like to have a high sticker price. Then they artificially lower it, you know, in what they call financial aid, but that's really the price that they really want to charge. And then they go back to the government and say, you see, we fulfilled our requirements under the tax laws that we're, you know, we're, we're a charitable organization, we're an educational organization offering scholarships. It's a racket. And there, of course, their endowments are not, are not, are not taxed. Uh, so I think that's another thing. There needs to be a way for the tax laws to change so that the universities don't have this free flow of money no matter what they do, good or bad. And the third thing, of course, is to get rid of this diversity, equality, and inclusion program. I am all in favor of getting more kinds of kids, different kinds of kids and students with backgrounds into universities and faculty. I'm all for it. But that's not what DEI does. DEI, as I'm sure you know, you've talked about a lot in the past and recently, and of course, Bill Ackman talks about it, is really a, a, a mean-spirited, uh, nasty type of programs at all the schools. It's got nothing to do with finding the best and the brightest. It's really just a way of sort of punishing the uh, perceived elites or former elites in the country. That's also, those three things need to happen. I know they couldn't ha- they don't necessarily have to happen overnight, but if you get a couple of university presidents and boards that are really determined to do these three things that I've talked about, and they do it at a couple of the schools, and those schools show how well they do because they're doing it, then maybe that'll start a trend. Yeah, maybe it'll inspire others. What about also the fact that in this case, in the Harvard case, the president, Claudine Gay, yes, she's no longer president, but she's staying on board. And there have been reports that she's keeping her close to $900,000 salary. Right. And so she's part of that second problem that I talked about. So now she's going to be one of the few people. You know, The only good thing about Claudine Gay being president and not a, fac- a tenured faculty member is that she could that she could be fired. Well, now she's back to her position as a regular old tenured faculty member, which means she can't be fired no matter what she does, pretty much. And that is really uh, that that's so unfortunate. It sends the wrong message. You know, one of the things I love about sports is that there's instant, instant accountability. You know, you're a sports star and you get a huge contract like some of these university presidents get. But if you're in sports, if you fail, it's understood that you can be criticized by anyone for your results on the field. Some, for some reason, these university presidents making all this money, uh, she doesn't get to be criticized. And, and, and if, she does, if she is fired or she is forced out, she still gets to keep her salary, still keeps, gets to be on the, on, on the faculty of Harvard. She's, she's a young woman. She could be there for another 50 years for all we know. And that's really, that's really a sad commentary that the university has somebody like this who's been caught as, as basically, I'm, I'm calling, you know, she's like the Henry, she's like, sorry, she's like the George Santos. Of academia, it sounds like everything that she said, all of her scholarship has been a fraud. You know, it's been a fraud, and she's going to still be on the faculty of what people consider to be the most prestigious university in the country. It's it's a very sad state of affairs. We and it goes to your previous question. We have so much more to do to straighten out the universities and and the colleges in this country, let alone K through twelve. It's it's so sad because we have all the opportunity and we spend so much money on education in this country, and we seem to get less and less for it. Well, uh, speaking of education or lack thereof, I want to also talk about some of the protests that have been taking place because obviously some really vile language. We've seen them burning Israeli flags. We've seen them burning American flags. And in recent days, we've seen them blocking airport entrances. I mean, here it is busy travel days of the year, and they're blocking the entrance to JFK or LA, LAX. Do you think um, this is also counterproductive that in many ways now some people are saying you know what uh, i have no sympathy for your cause if you're out there do you think it's starting to backfire on them 
No, I think it's doing exactly what they what they intended to do. Rita, I hope you'll join me in ceasing to call these incidents protests, marches or demonstrations. They're neither. They're none of the above. They are attacks. They are meant to disrupt and to hurt people in the United States. They hurt the feelings of, of friends and families and people who sympathize with Israel. They are intend to hurt the average bystander who just wants to get to the airport or, the, or to the train at Grand Central. They are meant to hurt us. And I think there's another thing going on. I think that they are desperate for a bystander or someone who's just frustrated that day or even a cop to attack them physically so that they have an excuse to do a kind of a George Floyd type riot reaction. I think that's what's going on here, Rita. I think it's really important to call them what they are. Just because they're not doing car bombs or shootings, thank goodness, yet, it doesn't make it any less of an attack. This is an attack on our economy. This is an attack on our peace. These are attack on, you know, they, they shouted down and, 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 just, and ruined people's Christmas plans in the city, people who were coming to the city for certain, certain celebrations. It's an, these are attacks. And I don't think it's hyperbole to call them that. Just because, again, just because guns aren't going off and bombs going off doesn't mean it isn't an attack. So I, I keep telling people, You'd be right if these incidents were meant to win people over or to change politicians' minds, but that's not what they're trying to do. So don't be fooled into thinking or smiling and saying, well, well, at least they're, you know, at least they're not going to get any more supporters now. That's not the point. They're not looking for supporters. They're angry at the United States for not being, you know, for, for not being tough on Israel or what they think should be, you know, should happen. They're angry at, 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 at the people in the, notice they're targeting cities where there are a lot of Jews. You know, they're not going, these marches aren't happening in South Bend, okay? They're happening in LA. They're happening in, in New York, these attacks. And so, and, and they're angry at the larger Jewish populations in these cities. So that's what's going on, Rita. And so I don't think they're counterproductive, sadly. I think they're getting what they want. Save one thing, like I said, so far, so far, the people of this city in New York and, and the other major cities have laid off these people physically. And I'm urging everyone to keep your heads out there, not only because you don't want to have violence, but also because that's what they want. They want one of us to lose our head and hit him with a car or punch him in the face or spray him with pepper spray so that they can make a victim out of it. And then you have even worse riots and worse attacks. But that is the goal here. They are attacking, not protesting. You know, what's amazing is that law enforcement really hasn't substantially cracked down on them. And some of that is coming, obviously, from the leadership telling law enforcement. I'm sure law enforcement would like to. Um, but why they have it. I mean, they they did move the guys, finally, uh, the men and women uh, that were there in front of JFK's entrance. And they did it at some of the other places. But they seem slow to respond. And clearly, they're sort of given the order, at least in some locations, uh, kind of hands off, let them do this, let them do that. That's dangerous because they could go after them, I contend, for disrupting the peace, not having a permit. There's a lot of things, even if they're lower level, just to kind of get them on the record that they are, uh, you know, breaking the law. Right. And then you couldn't be more right. And, and it's, it's, it's dangerous that they're not doing this because, again, like I said, a big part of this is to protect them. Forget about protecting us from the fact that they're disrupting traffic and, and, and instigating things and stuff like that. But again, they need to protect these these folks themselves. Because I, I think it's the, the organizers of these uh, attacks who are sitting at home who want this, these attacks. The people who are, they're not the ones that, on the front lines. So what's going on here? Well, <laughs> here we go back to those of you who have been following what's going on in New York City and Chicago and Los Angeles. Do the same district attorneys who aren't bothering to prosecute and jail folks who are shoplifting, physically assaulting folks and committing these kinds of violent crimes to Tell the, tell the cops, yeah, go ahead and arrest these people. We'll throw the book at them. These cops also probably know full well that, they're, that no matter what they do to arrest these people, they put themselves in harm's way, 
to arrest them possibly or to push them back or to get them out of larger harm's way, they know at the end of the day, those folks probably won't even be prosecuted because of these prosecutors that we have, because of the Alvin Braggs of the world and things like that. So we've really, really put ourselves into a totally anarchy, you know, anarchy when it comes to all of this. And it is so sad. And this is where people need to understand you get what you vote for. The voters who voted in these folks need to understand that when these next elections roll around, and hopefully they'll be candidates, and I don't care if they're Democrats, actually preferably if they would be Democrats because these cities are, are one-party one cities and one-party states, if there would be some Democrats coming at these folks from the right, you know, there's got to be a lawyer out there who would like to be attorney general. And if you want to win, who is an Alvin Bragg? And if you want to win, why don't you come out and say all these things that I'm saying, that we're doing this to protect law and order in the city for, for everyone's safety, and not make it about politics and just do that and see what happens. That's all I can say. You know, what was an incredible moment, uh, Jake, was when they were shouting Allah Akbar in front of the World Trade Center entrance. I thought, how disrespectful. And that's to me, that is hallowed ground. It was so unseemly. Yeah, and provocative, right? So it provoked you. Now, you're a decent, law-abiding, peaceful woman, Rita, but they're trying to find someone who, get, who will go off on them and physically attack them in response. And you and I would understand it. If that happened. Uh, but of course, it, it would be what exactly what they want. They're looking to be more provocative. Remember, they also uh, at the end of the year, in, in the last week of December, there was also a plan, if you remember, to go to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. and do a mass protest inside the Holocaust Museum of all. If you think that saying Allah Akbar at the World Trade Center is provocative, how about that? Talk about disrespectful there. You know, I, I've had a lot of my relatives uh, murdered in the Holocaust. And I remember when I saw the posters for this protest, I said, listen, I'm not going to stand for it. We've got to get hundreds and hundreds of people into that museum before these protesters keep them out physically, because in this case, they shouldn't be anywhere near there. Luckily, they called it off. But, you know, this is what they're looking for. They're looking to provoke a massive violent response from someone or even an, you know, an isolated violent response. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that at some point they're going to get what they want, but let's hope everyone keeps their head. Yeah, absolutely. And, and finally, who is sponsoring these protesters? Who's funding them? Do you have any idea? Because it seems a lot of times they seem decently well organized. They seem to get the message out. It seems to be coordinated. Um, you know, they seem to sometimes have these uh, signs that look like they're produced. Um, who's behind all this? And how come Congress and others are not clamping down on these people who are supporting them and is often, you know, shouting really vile things? Yeah, well, a lot, a lot of members of Congress are getting funded by the same people, Rita. A lot, of member, a lot of those attorney generals are being funded by the same people. So some of these are George Soros-funded organizations. And yes, George Soros was born uh, from a Jewish woman. But for any of you who know Jewish history, you know that sadly some of the worst enemies of the Jewish people, and George Soros is a terrible enemy of the Jewish people in the state of Israel, happened to have, spring, have, happened to have sprung from Jewish wombs. It's just the case. It doesn't make anyone an anti-Semite to point out that George Soros is a, is a problem here for Jewish people and for the state of Israel. He's a big part of it. But some of these organizations have been well-funded for a long time by countries like Qatar. And Qatar isn't, you know, is a pretty wealthy country on its own, but it also is a clearinghouse for Iranian money. Um, and of course, at the end of the day, when you talk about Iranian Qatari money, you're also talking about American money, because this country has freed up about $160 billion to the Iranians over the last 10 years because of the two Iran deals, the big one under Obama and a smaller one under, under Biden. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it is our money, if you can believe it. It's so sad. A lot of our money indirectly goes to Hamas, too. 
it's really quite, quite depressing. If we get, I, I keep telling people, Israel doesn't want American soldiers on the ground or sailors in, in harm's way. All anyone should want is to stop giving the enemies of Israel and the United States so much darn money. We're paying for this, Rita. We're literally paying for this either directly or indirectly. Um, but some of the organizations are, you know, the organizations you've heard of, groups like, you know, Students for Justice in Palestine. It's a very incorrectly named group. But, um, you know, they're out there. They're funded a lot by George Soros money and some of his other organizations. But at the end of the day, the money in the end kind of comes from us through Qatar, through Iran, through these stupid deals that we've made, through the fact that we've relieved sanctions. It's it's a sickening, sickening thing. I, I, I hate to say it because it feels like we're paying for our own misery. But if we would just cut off our enemies, then not only would we not put our soldiers in harm's way, but we would start to cut off some of the funding for these people who are trying to attack us in different ways. And I also think of the things that even as an administration policy that we have not even really enforced the sanctions, uh, the making so much money, the Iranians on oil, of course, that's helping to fund all these proxy groups and all these war machines. Um, your your overall message of how the Biden administration really has missed some moments. The Hootsies, not, they're not even on a terrorist group right now. They're not even listed as that. They were taken off the list. I mean, how could they not be put back on when they're attacking American troops? Yeah, no, it's uh, this is the issue that we, we all have to come to terms with. You know, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there. Some of them very, very anti-Semitic. Some of them very hateful. Some of them, you know, a lot of them really anti-American about, well, you know, these people want to get us into a war and they don't want to ca- and they don't care about America. And they really care about another country. No, it's actually our own bad policy, our own leaders. Our own leaders have sold us out. How could you possibly still after what happened with the first Iran deal? How could the Biden administration say, yeah, let's give Iran more money. Let's let's let them have more of this money. And, and, and that'll be a good deal. There, there's just it's 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 so it's, it's incredibly frustrating. It's incredibly naive. And but on the other hand, you got to look at the bright side. All you need to do is have a president or a Congress that says we're really not going to give them this money anymore. We're really going to cut it off. We're not going to give the U.N. uh, money to fund to fund the Palestinians to to teach in schools to kill to kill people. We're not going to do this anymore. And then you're going to see how much faster we get to peace. So it's as simple as that. It's just that it seems like our leaders are intent. And, you know, you'd have to be a fool to say someone isn't going to pay it off here. I'm not saying they're paying off our politicians directly. But there's something going on here beyond politics, beyond dumb politics. Anyone can be stupid in politics. But to make the same mistake over and over and over again, it can't just be hubris and it can't just be stupidity. Someone's getting paid off somewhere and it isn't me or you. (laughs) Yeah, sadly. And boy, it's just shocking. Like you said, there is so much money flowing and some of the things are actually easy to correct, but they have not been corrected. And, uh, and it continues to happen even to this day. Uh, everybody, be sure to subscribe and share to this podcast. Jake Novak, thank you for all you do uh, to keep Israel and America and also try to keep the world safe and uh, for caring about this country so much. We love having you here. Uh, thanks for all you do. Let's have a peaceful 2024. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight, on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.